Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Turn to James 3. I want you to look at it. You're saying, well, I thought you were going to talk about relationships. I didn't know you were going to talk about this. This sabotages relationships because we cannot connect to other people because of the poison and what is going on inside of us. Okay, James 3 and 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Where did it say poison is? In your mouth. Poison is in your mouth. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Well, you say, well, that doesn't really say about envies. I'm glad you said that. Let's just go on down here. Verse number 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. In other words, it's saying here that envy will start out as a sin of the flesh. It will drop down to your heart and then you will speak it out your mouth. That's what he's saying right here. It will come out of your mouth. The poison will come out of your mouth. And that's where you poison other people with what you say. Now listen to this. But if you have bitter envying. See, it calls envy bitter. It's bitter. Envy is bitter. It's not sweet. It's not nice. It's not kind. It's not honest. It's not fair. It's bitter, envying, bitter envying, and listen to this, and strife in your hearts. In other words, it starts out as the sin of the flesh, but it goes down into your heart, and envy and strife go together. Now, we may end up, I don't know, we may end up talking about strife as we go further, I don't know. But here we can see that envy and strife are companions. Why would that be? Because if you're envious of someone else, you don't, you know, they're having advantages, they've got blessing, they've got favor on your life. You don't like it. You want that to be happening in your own life. And so what do you do? You react in a strifeful way toward that person. And they might, may have not have done anything. They might not have done anything to you. But because the envy is there, it causes you to lash out at other people. You know, I call this kitchen sinking. Okay, in relationships, S-I-N-K-I-N, kitchen sinking. Sometimes people can't understand my southern accent, so I'm just saying it, spelling it for you, okay? But, but you know, when you're envious, it can be like this. Well, Mary got that new dress, and, and it really made you feel bad because you felt like you looked really dowdy. Okay, so that drops down in there. That's in the sink. 
You know what I'm talking about, don't you? When you get dirty dishes, you just keep piling them up in the sink instead of putting them in the dishwasher or washing them, whatever the case. And so that dropped down in there. But then, you know, when you, someone, a friend or, or co-worker, it can be anybody, and, you know, they got that new car and you need one because yours is falling apart, and it just drops down in there. Put it in the sink. And it just keeps on and on until one day your response to someone who is experiencing the favor and blessing of God is just to lash out in strife. And they're thinking, what in the world? I didn't do anything for that to happen. How many of you have been in that situation? You've been a recipient of that kind of behavior or you might have been the one that's doing the kitchen sinking And you reacted in that way. So see, we can take that stuff and it's it's a sin of the flesh. But then it grows in the heart. And then it begins to spew out of the mouth. And he said, bitter envying and strife. Don't lie. Acknowledge the truth. Now listen to this. Verse number 16 for time. For where envying and strife is, see there again, two companions. There is confusion and every evil work. I think it's very important for us to to see this, where there is envying and strife. You know what this word, I've already given you a definition for envy. But strife is rivalry or competition, contention. You remember, guys, where I told you about the ego and it's God made you to have the ego and that's wonderful and great, but when it gets out of control and this rivalry and this competition is there in an unhealthy way. Now, healthy competition, everybody likes that. You know, if you play, uh, uh, you know, badminton with me or volleyball, I want to win. Bless God. And we're, you know, we all are that way. So I'm not talking about things like that, but... I'm just talking about, uh, you know, rivalry and competition in ways that are unhealthy, okay? So where there is envying, where there is competition and contention and rivalry, there is confusion. Now, this word confusion uh, is really disordered, uh, loss, devastation. It can mean that. And every evil work. So I think you can see there, envy and strife is a poison in your life. And when that's operating, it will bring in confusion. I've learned this uh, for, many, uh, for many years of doing what I do. And, you know, working with so many people inside the church. And when strife comes in, it, in whatever department it may be from time to time, which it doesn't happen a lot, but obviously it happens because people are people. But, but when strife comes in, I, I might not detect it right then, but when I begin to see the confusion, when I begin to see the disorder and the devastation, then I know we've got strife in the house, strife in there. See, you discern that because you're around it over a period of years. And then, you know, when it happens, you know that. So know that in your home. Know that in the workplace. Know that in relationships. That 
Envy and strife will bring confusion. But not only that, listen, every evil work. The devil is diabolical. He will bring in evil wherever he can get a place. Amen? So we, we don't need to allow him to do that. Okay. Now, I want to um, just read this to you, Matthew uh, twelve thirty four. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Remember, work of the flesh drops down into your heart, then you speak it out your mouth. Out of the abundance. Of, that's why, you know, sometimes when people, you know, it's like turning on a water faucet of, you know, just these things that you don't, you know, things that have been dredged back up from the past and dredged back up from childhood. Here it goes, and it's just a water faucet just flowing and flowing. And we don't realize sometimes where that comes out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart. See, I may look at you, and you may be madder than the devil at me. And you can keep it under wraps. But if it's down in that heart, it's going to come out that mouth eventually. Just the right stimulus to bring, it, to bring it out. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way we can be in our marriages sometimes. You know, ladies, our husband, you know, maybe it was our anniversary and they didn't do what we thought that they ought to do or they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't help us around the home the way that we thought that they ought to. We were worn out. We were tired. We were working so hard at our job. And, and then, and they didn't take little Johnny to the ball game for us. And, but we never asked him to take little Johnny to the ball game. We just kept tucking it down in there. And then all of a sudden, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And our husband might be the scum of the earth that day. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Well, you just, do I just think it's women doing that and not men? No, I only gave that example because I'm a woman. But it can be the other way around. Men can do the same thing. Well, now she knows what what my needs are, and I, I need that food on the table every day, and I need it there at this time. I'm so glad my husband is not like that because he'd have a problem, <laughs> and I'd have one too. But, you know, everybody's different. My sister-in-law was telling me that my brother is, is that way. When he gets off at a certain time, he wants that food on the table. You know why he's that way? Because my daddy was that way. Okay? And so, you know, I, we can say, well, she didn't have that food ready for me. And that really kind of, that really kind of irks me. She's here all day and she couldn't do that. And then the next morning you get up and you go, uh, you know, to get into your underwear drawer and you don't have clean underwear because she hadn't washed the clothes because she's been taking care of the kids and running them everywhere and going to the grocery store and cleaning the house. And... <laughs> now, you women ought to really be saying that. Okay, but that husband can 
get all of that, you know, and are some of those, uh, some of those things legitimate? Yes, probably on both sides of the spectrum. They're probably right. Sometimes maybe we're just not seeing things, though, the way that they are and not knowing the overwhelming situations that both of us are dealing with. But see, you just keep pushing that in there, then out of the abundance of your heart, all those things that you've been holding in there and, and not saying you get the right stimulus at the wrong time. <laughs> and then here it goes. You understand. Do I get a witness in this place tonight, or am I just talking foreign language to everybody? Okay, just checking. Now listen, the Good News Bible says this, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We need to speak with our hearts full of love for Jesus, love for one another, love for the Word of God, love for the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to be full of. Amen? All right, so we think thoughts of envy, our heart fills up with envy, and then we begin to spew out envy. It poisons you and your relationships, and it defiles other people, and I think we've said enough about that. I want to just get here very quickly to some examples of envy, because I won't be back into this subject, you know, again, I'll finish this tonight. Uh, the examples of envy that are found in the Bible are Genesis 37, and you know the story, it's Joseph. And Joseph was a great man who found great favor in the eyes of God. And he had a dream, and he shared it with his brothers. And his brothers, if you read that story in Genesis 37, they were boiling over with envy toward their brother. Now, I've got, I've, I've got an opinion about Joseph. I think God put something in his heart that it was obviously a reality for his life. But he told people when he shouldn't have been talking about it. He talked to the wrong people. His father even gave him a coat. Now, when that coat was given, you just think, oh, well, you know, he had somebody make him a coat and gave him a coat. That coat signified something. That signified the favor of that father on his life. And so the brothers not only had the dream that Joseph gave, but they had to deal with that coat that their father had get. Why didn't he give it to us? Why didn't he make us one, you see? But it was an outward demonstration to whoever looked upon Joseph. He had that coat and he had his father's favor. Amen? And so um, he had that dream. He had giftings from the Lord. And the brothers tried to strip him, strip him of all of that. And see, that's what envy will do. It will try to strip people of what God has given them. Blessings and favor and what God wants to do for their life. I cannot think of uh, just a, a nastier thing than trying to stop somebody accomplish a dream that God placed in their heart. Can you? I mean, that's just nasty. But see, that's what they were trying to do. And their envy led them to try to kill their brother. They weren't successful. But that was, that was what they set out to do, and then they must have lost courage. And you know the story, how he was sold into slavery. And then he goes into prison, gets promoted there. And then he goes, um, uh, you know, goes to Potiphar's house and gets promoted there. And then he ends up in Pharaoh's house. 
And so envy couldn't stop him, but envy sure did try through those brothers. Now, I think it's very interesting in Joseph's life. When he was in Egypt and he was in Pharaoh's house and he was a great leader, second in command in Egypt. And here's a Jewish man. And he has two children. And the first one he has, he calls Manasseh. And you know what Manasseh means? Causing to forget. See, sometimes when we're hurt uh, through poison of whatever in a relationship, this case, envy, selling him into slavery and doing everything that they could to destroy his life, he still had to deal with the emotions of that. Even though he had forgiven, uh, uh, he had to deal with those emotions. And his first child, he, he said, Lord, this child is going to make me forget all the bad stuff that my family did to me. Think about flesh and blood. I think about my flesh and blood, my siblings, parents, you know, people that I'm related to. I couldn't, I couldn't hurt them in that way. See, it's, it's not a, a God thing in us. It's a, a, a demonic thing in us that wants us to lash out at our own flesh. Amen. His second child was Ephraim, and it means fruitful. In other words, Lord, you gave me Manasseh. You've caused me to forget all of that, and now I'm really going to be fruitful. And see, that gives us hope, doesn't it, in, in our relationships. We can get over things, get through things, and, and come out in good shape. We don't have to be wounded and scarred for life. Now, you may have some bruises, you may have some, there may be some scars, but it doesn't have to be a scar that is so deep and so great that you cannot go on. You can go on. Proverbs 27, 4, wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous. Now, we would say that wrath or just a blazing up of anger and just... Being an angry person, that's bad, isn't it? It says it's outrageous. But now listen to this. But who is able to stand before envy? He's saying wrath and that blazing temper and anger are nothing to be compared to envy. So we can't, we can't stand that, can we? 1 Samuel 18 gives us another example of envy. King Saul, he's envious of David. I'm not going to take a lot of time here, but you remember the story, David kills Goliath. The women are out in the street and they're saying, you know, uh, King Saul has slayed thousands, but David 10,000. And Saul, the king, heard that. And in his insecurity, he allows this poison of envy to enter into him. And he, he wouldn't let that go. He wouldn't forget that. He was jealous and envious of David because God had his hand upon David. And when he heard what those people, those women were saying that day, it displeased him, the Bible says. And, and it says that Saul had his eyes on David from that day forward. And his eyes were on David not to admire him but to want every bad thing to happen that could happen. David, uh, Saul tried to kill David. You know, David was playing the harp. 
And, uh, and the Bible says Saul was prophesying. Think about this. Well, spiritual people don't do that. Think about it. King Saul, anointed by God, called by God, is prophesying while David is playing on the harp. And he, in, in the middle of that prophecy, well, I can't believe God had used them to prophesy. Well, I know. I get shocked sometimes myself <laughs> that God would use people. But here's King Saul. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being truthful. <laughs> Um, but, but here he is prophesying and in the middle of David playing the harp, David's not even knowing what's going on, but because of all this has been stored up, all this poison that's in there, he takes that, he finds that javelin, picks it up and throws it at David. Do you know that it would have killed David if it had hit him? He didn't care. He wanted to kill him. He wanted to stop God's anointing on David's life. People will do you that way. They don't like the anointing that's on your life. See, this envy just doesn't live in just a real fleshly, you know, like I was given the examples of possessions and things like that. It goes into the spirit. People don't like the anointing that's on your life. They don't like God using you. They don't like God showing you things. And they can become envious. And that's what ha happened to, to David. He was a man after God's own heart. And uh, Saul could not stand it. And the Bible said that Saul became afraid of David. He was afraid of that anointing that was on him because it was stronger than what was on his life because he wouldn't live like a, a king and a spiritual man ought to. He did things God told him not to do. God said, don't do this, and he went out and did just that. So he wouldn't obey God, and he wouldn't do what God told him to do. But David was a man after God's own heart. didn't mean that he didn't make mistakes, but he tried to please the Lord. Amen. So this envy drives Saul, and he eventually becomes obsessed. And David had to run everywhere, hide out in caves. He was obsessed. And folks, I'm going to tell you, you can reach the point in envy where you become obsessed with another person. What's going on in their life? They can do no good. Everything they do, everything they say, everywhere they go, there's an envy that poison of envy that is toward them. And you, you need to get free of that and not allow that to um, rule your life. The third example is out of number 16. It's Dathan, Abiram, and Korah. They were Levites. They were men of renown. They had position in the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. And they saw Moses and Aaron and, and, you know, in the priesthood. And they wanted to be in the priesthood. They were not satisfied with being Levites and taking care of the temple and doing what needed to be done. They didn't want their position, even though it was a good, respectable position that God had given them. But they wanted what Moses and Aaron had. And they, and Psalms says that they were envious of him. They were envious of Moses and Aaron. These men were driven by this envy against Aaron and Moses. And one day they said, we're just like you, Moses. All of us, we're all holy people. What makes you better than we are? Because God had set them apart. Touch not thine anointed. You don't touch the anointing. 
And David gives us a good example. That doesn't mean if people are in the wrong and in sin that you go along with that. But you, you still learn how to deal with it the right way. You don't lash out in wrong ways. Because you can, again, be right but be wrong. So, you know, um, Korah says that. You're taking too much upon yourself. And Moses said, listen, we've got to have a meeting. We've got to get this straight. You know, we can't have this going on in, in God's house. We've got to get it straight. Then um, when Moses called the meeting, their response was, we're not coming to any meeting that you have. We're not going to come to it. And then Moses um, becomes angry, and rightly so, because he's trying to take those people to the promised land, do what needs to be done, and they're fighting and fussing and fuming and strife and all of that and, and just envious over their position. When Moses and Aaron didn't put themselves in that position, God placed them there. Don't be envious of other people. I see people all the time, and they're wonderful preachers. I see women in the ministry, and they're so pretty, and, you know, and they preach so good. And, you know, but you know what? God bless them. God help them. God multiply their fruitfulness. And that's the way that we have to look at things. Amen. So you know what happened? You know, uh, Korah, Datham, and Abiram, they pushed and pushed and pushed. And it came to the next day, the earth opens up and swallows them and everybody that was associated with them. You know what that tells me? What I get from that story when I read it? You know, you better watch. You know, if people get into envy and get into strife and I'm around them, don't partake of that. Step back. Step back. You know, or you can be a part of it and get caught up into it. It's like secondhand offense. You can get caught up into things. But they had to separate themselves out. You know, I, I, I don't even know where this is at, but, um, but it's in the Scripture uh, that part of, of these families must have separated them. Some of the family were destroyed of these three men, but some of them weren't because you read about them later on after this event. So they, they were part of separating themselves out. And so, I, you know, it's, that's a real good thing uh, to, to learn. They were consumed. They were utterly poisoned by this envy that was going on in their life. The devil will pressure and needle you to take his bait. Now, this last example that I've got, and I know what time it is, and I'm wrapping it up really fast. Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, 3 through 6. If you'll just turn there with me, I think this will be worth you seeing this in your Bible. Here you see in Genesis 4, this is another example of envy. You see that Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain was really a self-willed and rebellious kind of man. And Cain goes out and he is going to plant a garden and he's going to do all of that. So he brings in uh, a sacrifice to give to God. And God says, no, Cain, I'm not going to accept that. It's not the stipulations that I've laid out. It needs to be a blood sacrifice. And, and Cain is going to do it his own way. And he does. But Abel gave a, 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 a sacrifice 
of sheep. That's what he, he was herding sheep. And he gave the sacrifice out of the sheepfold and he sacrificed the blood. And God said, I accept that. You know, that, that's a good sacrifice. Well, if you read down here in verse number five, listen to this. God says to Cain, this is out of the Amplified. Why are you so angry? Why, why do you look sad, depressed, and dejected? Now, remember a minute ago, I, I, I began to tell you about when envy sets in, you get depressed and hang your head and start feeling bad about yourself. Well, see, that's a good example right here. That's what Cain did because God didn't accept it. And so what does he do? Instead of getting mad at God, he gets mad at Abel because Abel's done the right thing. And see, that's the way people are. You get blessed. You get favored. You've done the right thing. People living like the devil, and they get envious of you, and they'll poison. They get poisoned by envy, and they'll try to mess you up. Well, you know the story. And you know what happens. Cain kills, murders his own flesh and blood, his brother. And you know, I've read this in historical accounts, and some people think Cain and Abel were twins. I don't know whether they were or not. You know, but just think about that. They're brothers and they're close anyway. But just think about it. Twins are usually closer, even than a normal. So, this envy was not just a natural sibling rivalry it was an evil work of envy amen now listen to this this is in verse number seven out of the amplified bible this is god's warning to cain if you do well will you not be accepted what is he saying if you give the right sacrifice do you not think i'm going to accept you well, yes, he would. Yes is the answer. And if you do not do well, listen to this, sin crouches at your door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. The sin of envy can crouch at your door and the envy's desire is to get you. But now listen to this, but... You must master it. Not allow it to master you, but you master it. Amen? That's very important for us to remember. Then First uh, Peter 2, 1, and this is my last scripture, and I told you I have to do this because I have to finish this tonight. I can't continue it at another time. And this is what you do when you know that envy's in your life. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Here he's saying, lay aside all the malice, the ill will, and all the guile and hypocrisies and envies. Lay it aside. What does that mean? What it really means is it means to take off a piece of clothing. Lay it aside, just like, you know, you're going to take your jacket off. You unbutton it, you begin to move it, you take it off, and you lay it down. That's what you do with envy. Take it off, lay it aside. 
and desire, listen, the sincere milk of the Word of God. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.